0: So welcome everyone. This is Stefan Pende. <laughs> <laughs> I have been coming to Goteborg since many years. And uh, we are started to study, read, practice um, a series of books which were recently published by tupten children uh, editing teaching teachings of his holiness the dalai lama and we are in the first volume which is uh, approaching the buddhist path and in that book we have reached chapter 7 which is uh, a chapter called the importance of kindness And we, uh, in our online uh, meetings, we have uh, read through that chapter, and uh, at the end of the chapter, of the seventh chapter, there is the part about mind training. And Holiness gives a short teaching on the eight point of mind transformation, a text by a master called Langri Tangpa, who lived... uh, I think in the 12th or 13th century. It's one of the important texts in the Tibetan tradition, very short. It's just eight little poems. And that's what we are going to start with this weekend. And then we will move into chapter 8, which is... Um, I don't remember the title of it, but it's an introduction into the Lamrim, uh, the Lamrim. Lamrim is a Tibetan word and it can be translated as the progressive path to awakening or the progressive path of awakening, the step by step approach to awakening. And it is the way how, in the Gelug tradition of Tibetan Buddhism, the, all the Buddhist uh, teachings are summarized and organized in a logical order. And uh, this uh, body of text and of practices is meant as a preparation for Tantric practice. So the progressive path, stages, uh, and in our mind, of course, that makes sense. We live in a culture of this is not it and there needs to be self-development there needs to, pro- there needs to be progression because I'm not good enough I'm not home yet and if I do this and this and that and this and if I a good boy, a good girl then in the end there will be the reward of Buddhist heaven and that is a paradigm uh, which is held in other traditions also and it makes sense and it is joyful because you do something meaningful with your time and you uh, uh, you have a sense of progress, a sense of development. And these methods uh, to walk that path, they are time-tested so. We are standing on the shoulders of giants and uh, we can build on their experiences and these teachings prevent us to fall into traps and moving towards awakening, moving towards um, deep, profound healing uh, for the benefit of all. Nevertheless, there is also another paradigm within the Tibetan tradition, another view, not only in the Tibetan tradition, in all the mystic approaches to spiritual practice within the different religions, there is something which you could call the direct path. And the direct direct path is a very different view it is a very uh, initially very crazy strange very counterintuitive view and that view says something like you actually never left home and it is the very the very process of seeking which covers up that this is it This is unity. This is empty appearances emerging from primordial consciousness, doing a bit of a dance and then disappearing back into primordial consciousness. And that the illusion that there is someone here who needs to be developed, someone who is lacking something, someone who is not already whole, uh, that illusion prevents us to rest, to be in peace with this, with life as it is. Everything is already empty, unfindable, having no substance. You will never find that person which is on a path of awakening to some distant goal in the future. You're not going to find the practitioner. And the end of seeking or wholeness, or peace, is available to us in this moment. We are not lacking anything. And then comes the narrative self with but! What's with my anxiety? What's with my physical pain? What is with my divorce? With my cancer? So the narrative self is actually the illusionary narrative self, because there's nothing behind that spiral, that loop of, what about me, what about me, the self-centered loop. There's nothing behind, there's nothing, there's not an owner behind there. It's just, it's just less than soap bubbles. It's made up. We are like a wave in the shoreless ocean of primordial consciousness separating itself through the conceptual process of selfing, through the conceptual process of separation, to the cognitive process of me, myself, I. And that wave which emerges from primordial consciousness, which is a display of primordial consciousness that solidifies that construction. And then we identify with it. And with identification comes the sense that you're looking from that place. So the kind of the the wave in the shoreless ocean of primordial consciousness, collapses into the center position from where you apparently look from, into a world which is separate from you. And then that poor wave, which never, which never left primordial consciousness, has been and is and will be always the display of primordial consciousness makes up a story of seeking and the seeking of the re- the the seeking of the narrative self will never end it will never say never ever will say you know what living in goteborg having food, having water, having heating, having friends, it's really good enough. I can relax. No! The narrative self, in my mood, it's a bit nicer, it's a little warmer. up in the north, or with children or without children or with partner or without partner, with career or without career. And then, if we have unsuccessfully tried to find home either in Malmö or in Stockholm or in Göteborg, then we find spiritual teachings and the same game begins. The same kind of seeking. The belief that there's a teaching, a guru, a practice which will bring you home. So I'm saying all of that uh, not to disgrace uh, the gradual path uh, teachings because they are, you know, the the most precious thing we can do in our deluded state. But um, I'm saying this because there's a tendency to to solidify, to, to verify the practices and the teaching and the practitioner as something real, something which really exists. And then this joyful path of the, of, of the Lam Rim becomes this burden, this kind, of, uh, this kind of desperate trying to be more compassionate, the desperate goody-goody girl, goody-goody boy, which wants to do everything right and guilt comes into the practice and, and shame and, and it enhances when we hold the teachings like that, it even can enhance the feeling of I'm not good enough. Not only I have felt in my life as we all did, I mean in terms of, you know, I mean it's just not working out, right? <laughs> It's just one damn problem after another, and nothing really works. And then, if it works a while, it breaks, or we lose it. Uh, So then, then we bring that kind of seriousness into into the spiritual practice. This, this kind of desperation we, we really identify as the seeker and we try to figure it out and we try to get something which we already have we just don't notice it so I'm saying this uh, to uh, right from the beginning to um, to, to open to create an openness so that we can appreciate the beauty of these teachings and the sacredness of the teachings, and in the same time seeing that they are made up, that they are placebos for illusionary people who have made up problems, and then we can, and then we can play. And on a relative level, if we practice gently, kindly, if we practice with the trust that everything is fine, uh, that there is no need to work hard, actually that's the best way not to develop. in the trust that only love is real and love will pre- will prevail and then we do the practice so throughout the weekend i'm not sure but I might alternate a bit between the Gradual Path Teachings and the Direct Path Pointers. And you will notice the different responses you might have. to these two views. Many people just can't let go yet of the hope that there is a future awakening. So for those people, gradual path ...teachings, preliminaries, things you can do, they need that. And it makes sense to them. And then there's other people, particularly if you have practiced in the gradual patho approach, in the progressive path approach for many, many years, who are just resonating with the message which, which is, this mes- me- message is undescribable, it is, un- it's something you, it's something the narrative self understand, nevertheless something in us resonates with a sense of relief, a sense of freedom, a sense of openness which is available, a sense of peace which is available in this moment. A sense of oneness, you could say. A sense of, wow, I make this up. I can see how oh, I make it up. I make up this what about me? What about me and my problems? What about, what about me and my life? It's made up. It's a story. And other people, when they hear this, what I just said, they get upset. I mean that which gets gets upset is the narrative self because the narrative self likes the story of I'm not good enough. That's what it is. The narrative self is that very energy of seeking. The narrative self is that very instinctive feeling no this is not good enough. This my life My feelings? No. Give me something I can do so I can feel better. Yeah, and then we do stuff. And some of it makes us feel better. But of course, it's a conditioned phenomena. I mean, if you manage to calm your mind through meditation, then you feel better. But as soon as the shit hits the fan, it's gone, that piece. So just observe your own observation. And the fascinating thing within the Buddhist teaching is that the deconstruction of the Progressive Path is part of the Progressive Path. And I don't see that in, that in that way being present in other traditions. So within the practice of the Progressive Path is the practice of recognizing there's nobody there. If there's nobody there, who could walk a progressive path if I can't find me in the way it appears to me? Who is it who could be awakened? One way to One way, one way to look at the teachings of the Progressive Path... I always forget to switch this on, so you miss the very important thing now. One way to look at the teachings of the Progressive Path, that it is actually not a path to attain something, but it is a path of inco- uncovering Uncovering something which is already here, and I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's necessary to to see these views as to 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 different things, but in 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 your in your own practice. In the way I also practice, uh, it is possible to benefit from both views and alternate trying to bring them together. Um, It's also throughout your life you might notice that there's periods of darkness, of strong contraction, where the most compassionate and wholesome thing is to use placebos to feel a bit better, to create some space. And then there's other periods in your life where you much more naturally, already you feel more open, more connected, less reactive, less defensive. Where the direct path is something which is much more easily available to you. And you will. Probably feel that there's periods where you are more drawn, or where gradual path practices and teachings just make more sense for you. You just just, you feel drawn to that, and then there's other periods where you where you are where you're just tired of the self-developmental project, where you just Getting tired of seeking and then direct path teachings can be such a breeze, such a rest. And then enjoying that, actually the qualities you would want to develop in the gradual path, that they are just here, that they are just radiating from that space which comes when you let go. That actually, for example, the compassion you want to develop is something that warmth, that softness, is already here. It wants to emerge. It's not something you need. We need to cultivate. So let's sit quietly for a while, and then. So our first meditation will be a bit of a mixture of these two views, Uh, so for example now some of you corrected the posture, so that's progressive path practice. It expresses the idea that awakening has something to do with sitting differently. (laughs) and that somehow it's helpful in getting better at meditation, to have a certain posture. And, And then meditation becomes this event where something different should happen than what is happening. And then most of the time you're already in trouble. Most of the time you bring the, I need to work harder into it, instead of celebrating what is, loving what is. So when I give instructions like bringing your attention into your body, so these are all instructions of the progressive path view. And I invite you to make this shift from the head into the body And if you like, you can close your eyes. If you keep your eyes open, they are relaxed with an open gaze. And you might want to place your attention or your awareness lightly on the breath. And with each in breath, you slide into the body or you drop into your body. And as best as you can, you make that a gesture of welcoming, like a gracious host welcoming the guests in the guest house of the body, and notice how the floor or the chair carries you. Yourself be carried. There's nothing. There's nothing to do right now for you. And then it might be possible with the out breath to let go of the control freak. that softening in the belly and in the shoulders. There's nothing you need to think about right now. There's nothing you need to understand or figure out. So allow thoughts to go into the background, the inner dialogue, the dialogues of the narrative self. Just let that be in the background. Like a radio station in the other room, which is neither disturbing nor interesting. and instead you slide back into the spacious <coughs> into the spacious aliveness of your body if you want to get rid of something or you want to attain something and maybe it's possible for you to relax the grasping as if you're opening a fist and you find yourself more and more in present moment awareness In that spaciousness, you let go of the I, of the me, of the myself, just let it dissolve. And all the stories with it, the what about me stories, just let it dissolve. Soon they will be insignificant anyway. And just being here. in an effortless way. And whatever arises within that What is it without words? And then, within the space of your awareness, and that's all you experience, the space of your awareness, within that space of your awareness, in the space in front of you, manifests the Buddha, who the Dalai Lama, who are Jesus, who are Tara, who are all of them. Filling the space of your awareness with a tender love, with the light of the loving gaze bathing you. Like sitting in the morning sun after a night of terror, and just warming You feel their presence, you hear their voices, and there's even the scent of loving-kindness in the air, soothing you. Within the space of your awareness, these bodhisattva angels fill that boundaryless space with essence love. burning, resting. Allow yourself to be loved exactly as you are in this moment. And then your refuge field, your mentors, your role models, they dissolve and their presence, their energy fills your whole body, every cell of your body, from the toes to the top of your head. Allow the usual appearance of your body to to dissolve into a body of light. And you become aware of the Buddha within, the Tara within the Dalai Lama within, the Jesus within. And you pay a bit more attention to the heart area. And from the Buddha within, light rays of wisdom and love go out through the pores of your body. First here in this room from Buddha to Buddha, from Goddess to Goddess. Also to the people who are listening to this online. and then widening the circles of Essence Love emerging from the Goddess within, the Buddha within, into the past, into the the present relationships, and into the future. And whatever arises within your consciousness, within your awareness, Feelings, thoughts, mental images, they are bathing in essence love. stressed. As soon as you notice that you get entangled into the me, you make a backward step into spacious aliveness. before the break, I will talk a bit about mind training, lojong or attitude training. And Since we are not so many, uh, you can interrupt me with questions if questions arise, but I will also give some space for questions after the break. And the people online, you can write your questions into the stream and I will check in the break if there's any comments or questions. So Lo Jong, Lo is attitude or mind, Jong is changing, transforming, shifting. In Western psychology this is also called reframing. There's a long uh, lineage within the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. You know, going back to India, particular to uh, the Bodhisattva Tara, from the Master Shantideva. And uh, so there's a few uh, important texts within that tradition, but. Uh, many, many commentaries written on this practice. It is something which is not only found in Buddhism, this idea. For example, there is the Greek philosopher Epikur, who wrote, it's not what is happening in your life, No, it's not about what is happening in your life, it's how you relate to it. Or Jean-Paul Sartre saying, we are damned to be free because we are the ones who give meaning. We have that freedom and we are even free in relationship to our past. Not that we can change what has happened, but we can change what we, do, what we do with it, what we make out of it. So in the Lojong teaching, we use actually the capacity to make something up beneficial. We change the stories to open, to open up, to let go of the burden, to make problems meaningful, to make suffering meaningful. to grow with suffering. This is amazing. We suffer. and with this teaching, and it's not going to stop on the relative level. And the teachings on Lojong gives us the inspiration, the way to transform something which is something we really dislike. into gold, into something precious. Ah, That's freedom. So what we usually do out of ignorance, out of confusion, out of this distortion we put on to what we call reality. What we usually do is we confuse perspective with what is. So we have a certain perspective to look at something and we forget that it is just a perspective. And one way to check that, check that up is to ask other people what they think about the same thing. And then you will notice, wow, this person has a different perspective. Yeah, but I'm right because it is how I think. people go into war for perspectives in family wars but also in the big wars in religious wars people make something up that's their perspective and then we feel no it is like that for sure it is like that and you are wrong That's why you're an enemy. And that, which right now might, might scream, yeah, but I'm right. the narrative self. So if you really appreciate this and reflect on this, you need to come to a place where, you will come to a place where you don't need to be right anymore. Where you can still have your perspective and you can still like or dislike things, but you go lightly through your life. You don't need to be a smart ass trying to convince other people that you are right. You don't get upset when other people have other opinions. You don't need to convince people from, of your perspective. Instead of, from that spacious way of living, comes, how can I help you? I'm not here to convince you. I'm not here to get something from you. You're not supposed to make me happy. How can I help you? I'm here to help. Or, wow, what is your perspective? That's really curious. Tell me more about it. How do you see the world? How does the world look like from there? So this flexi- flexibility, this fluidity with perspectives, understanding the value, and also the and and being and the sadness of different perspectives. It's so wonderful. Not many people can do that. Not many people can transcend their perspective and walk into the shoes of another perspective. But it is something we can train, it's something we can be curious about. At least we can start to question our perspectives. So the practice of Lojong, of transforming your perspectives into a more wholesome, into a more free perspective, it's still a perspective, it's still not awakening i mean you can't you can't go you you can't go towards awakening with lord Jung because awakening is a transcendence of all perspectives but this uh so, the, the the practice of Lojong is really inter, deeply connected with the teachings on emptiness. So only when we start to have an appreciation of the teachings on emptiness is... So that's you know, part of the experience of emptiness is the direct experience that nothing has any meaning from its own side. That we make things into what they are for us through perspective. And then they appear back to us as if they have their meaning, their story in them. Coming like this where it is like this. So it comes like this, for example, something beautiful, and then it seems for us that beauty is something which doesn't lie in the eye of the beholder, but it is... Do you have a Swedish saying like that? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder? See? Our parents already knew, (laughs) our ancestors. But beauty appears to us as if it's something out there coming to us. And then if someone says, oh, this is really ugly, we get upset because it's beautiful. They must be stupid. They can't appreciate taste. They don't have taste. We get upset when other people have a different perspective because we confuse perspective with what is. What the Lojong teachings particular emphasize uh, in terms of transforming our attitude is difficult people and problems. So with the Lojong teachings, the attempt is not to change what is happening in your life. With The Lojong teachings, you learn to relate differently to life. To life as it is. So much so that that which appears as suffering in your life becomes the precious one. So much so that the most horrible asshole in your life becomes the most precious person. So much so, that you, in the evening, before you go to bed, you pray and tomorrow may I meet an even bigger
1: asshole?
0: <laughs> I'm ready! <coughs> it's going to happen. That kind of prayer always works. <laughs> Dear God, tomorrow, please, bring problems. And there it is, it works. So this is, uh, you know, seeing, uh, uh, you know, like if you think about some of the people who have hurt you, seeing that person as one of the most precious persons in your life is a description of the goal. It's not the practice. Doesn't mean that we can do this from one day of the next. So what we need to explore in the Lojong teachings is how can I see that person like that? Not just yeah, but I should see this person like that. But actually, I, I wish this person to be, feel really bad because he deserves this, because he hurt me. And I, I'm the victim, and that's the predator, and it's evil, and this person deserves to be punished. Yeah, that's an eye for an eye. For many people that makes sense, that's kind of their religion. You hit me, I hit you back twice. But to change the view you have on that person, it's not enough to say, yeah, I know, I should have compassion with that person. No. It's a, it's, it's a training, it's a development, and we need to learn the tools to actually see that person like this, not telling a story which you th- try to believe, some sentences. Yeah, actually, I hate this person and I want to kill this person. Yeah, but I'm a Buddhist and I should have one. He was a mother in my previous life. So this is important to understand that Uh, A lot of the teachings, they are descriptions of the goal. Fortunately, that's in the Buddhist teachings, they don't stop there. They don't, they don't say, first rule is you should love your enemies, yeah, how? If you hate someone and then you tell yourself, yeah, I should love this person, then you are even in a worse place if you don't have the tools to actually make this happen. And the teachings on emptiness, they are crucial here. Because from from the perspective of the narrative self, this person is a bad person and deserves to be punished. So people And problems and your problems, from the little problems to having cancer to anxiety, you know, everything with which we would call a problem, and then trying out different perspectives you know, some of the suggestions within the Lojong teachings they might not have have se- they, they might not make sense to you it, it, that might be a perspective you right now can 't take, which is not open to you, so it is also. For you, once you have understood, there's only perspective and that perspective is created by me. Then to find your own way, okay, so how can I relate to this in a different way? How can I see this differently? And, of course, there will be resistance. The narrative self will resist that because the narrative self lives from the food of judging and drama and separation and self-righteousness and projection. So the, the, the identification with the narrative self will resist the change of perspective. Yes? Yes.
1: Uh, I'm sort of uh, trying to get my head around this and is it right that you can sort of use this teach, uh, for example, to make this asshole, like this is the precious, most precious part in my life, and then I'm, I'm really in, in a relation with a friend that I'm working with my anger towards her and, and uh, I sometimes, of course, I, I try to put myself in her shoes, and then I'm sort of the arsehole, And then could I find it? Like, mm. wow, that's so precious. I haven't. If I'm the arsehole, I'm always in my life. That's cr- so. Can you sort of use? I mean, like I'm fooling myself no, because of course I can be critical of myself. Also no, but I'm you know I can't uh, be compassionate towards her, and I'm not uh, appreciating this. But then, also to to be lighter in a way. So sometimes I make myself an arsehole, I call myself that. And and then now I, I got this. Wow! Oh, that's precious. I don't know if it's a, a way to. I mean, instead of just oh, I should be compassionate. Ah, but wow! I can also see myself just
0: as another person. I don't know. Is it the way to, yeah, to sure. work around it or, I mean is this
1: a play
0: I'm Yeah, yeah. Around, yeah that's that's exactly what we do. We're playing around with perspectives. Yeah. yes, yeah. And uh, so what you describe now is is exactly what we do in Lujon. I mean you 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 like now the methods the method you use, one part is That you, you, you shift into her, and you look at the situation from her side, and 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 you look from her perspective uh, uh, upon you. And then what happens? And then you describe what happens. And then you describe that somehow through this shift of perspectives it becomes lighter and that's all we can hope for in this stage of the path that things become lighter that we feel more connected that there's more that there's more space more more love more understanding so these are this kind of thoughts thought in uh, thought experiments we can do. And the important thing here is that it is not just I should think like that, but to really go into the perspective and feel. And you know that you are heading towards a wholesome direction if you notice some shift in the way you are in the situation at least in that moment where you reflect like that. But probably it also has then some after effect uh, towards the next time when you meet that friend. And then you have to do it again and again. So to familiarize yourself with that kind of perspective, with with that kind of experience, to familiarize, to to, to kind of... uh, to get used to it, so that, that becomes more and more the way you look at this friend.